Broken trust can be healed, but it's not just time that's going to heal it. You need clear guidance about what to do and what not to do. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I've developed a free video course called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. This course will show you what's needed to begin healing after betrayal. I offer guidance for the betrayed partner as well as the partner who broke the trust. You can access it for free right now by clicking the link in the show notes. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I want to welcome you to my podcast, From Crisis to Connection. Each week on this podcast, my guests and I will give you and your loved ones resources and tools to heal from the crises of infidelity, pornography, abusive behaviors, and betrayal trauma. But we also talk about how to build and maintain healthy connection in your most important relationships. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome back, everyone. Well, it's that time of year. It's the holidays. It's a time when families gather, friends gather, and this can either go really well or really poorly, depending on your situation. Some of you may look forward to this time of year where you just are excited to be with people you love and there's great traditions and lots of great memories that are made. And for some of you, it may be a time that you dread. It may be a time where you feel very anxious and unsure about whether you should attend trying to maybe avoid people. Maybe it brings up a lot of painful memories or experiences. It can be fraught with all kinds of stress and anxiety. And I'm guessing for probably most of us, it's somewhere in between. There's parts of it we love and we look forward to. There's other parts that we would rather do without or we avoid. So in response to this very common challenge that a lot of us have during this time of year, even though it's the most wonderful time of the year, right? I decided to get together with my amazing wife, who is the host of the podcast, Speak Up Sister. She's the co-host of it with her sister, Jamie, and decided to get together with her and do a live recording where we took questions and responded to people's different scenarios and situations and tried to offer support. And we received, I don't know, 10, 12 questions and went through and answered these questions over the course of about an hour or so. And that is going to be this episode. I just want to actually share the replay of that and really let you listen in on some of the challenges that people are having around different relationships and how to navigate these things. And we get into boundaries, we get into expressing emotions, we get into safety issues and all kinds of really important topics. And I'm going to actually let this episode run for two different weeks. I just want it to run not only this week, but also the following week over Thanksgiving so that if you need additional support or want to listen to it, you'll have this to come back to. And then we'll pick back up with a new episode the week after Thanksgiving. I just think that this time of year is a time that we can learn so many important lessons about ourselves, about boundaries, and about how to navigate these things with grace, with love. And the cool thing about it is that you get a chance to practice it every single year. So if things don't go the way you'd love this year, there's always next year. So let's dive in with this live question and answer with my wife, Jody. Enjoy everyone, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Welcome. Mm -hmm. Okay, so for those of you who don't know both of us, I'm Jeff Stewart. This is my wife, Jody Stewart. Well, we're just grateful you're all here tonight, and we're going to jump right in. We We have 10 questions that were submitted prior 
mm-hmm. on my Instagram page and people wrote some really thoughtful questions. Yeah, um, good, good stuff. Amazing questions. And then also we are going to open this up tonight as well to you. We have a question and answer option down there. You can raise your hand, you can ask a question in the Q&A, and then we can mark the ones that we're, you know, we'll answer live and we'll just see how far we get. Um, we'll go through our 10 questions first, but if you think of a question, go ahead and write it down on the, the Q&A and we'll get to it. So, all right. So let's jump right in. Okay. Number one. So this first one says, how do I know when boundaries will serve me versus when I'm just avoiding vulnerability? Which is really a knockout question. Very honest. And good. Yeah. Good job having the awareness <laughs> to recognize there could be a thing going on there. And my take on that is that this is this is primarily about expansion versus restriction. And oftentimes when we set healthy boundaries, it allows us personally to expand because we're operating within the confines of what we can deal with and tolerate and manage and what we can't. So those kinds of boundaries are going to be the kind that help you to expand. They'll allow you to be your best self, to feel like you can be more open, more generous, just just the, the best version of you, as opposed to avoiding vulnerability, which setting those kinds of boundaries can have a tendency to just cause you to feel restricted, like your world is getting smaller, you're much more self-protective, which boundaries by nature are self-protective, but yeah. not in a restrictive way. Right. Yeah. It's like the difference. Like well, it's just like the difference between like hiding yeah. versus expanding. I love that, that difference there. So if you feel like after you set a boundary, you actually are connecting more to people or even to yourself, or you feel like there's, there's like growth and movement and mm-hmm. openness, then you're probably not avoiding anything. But if you like, if your life just feels smaller and more restricted, then yeah. But yeah, I mean, I th- I think that question of, I mean, how will I know when boundaries are serving me? I think a lot of the times we have a natural tendency to feel like when we set a boundary, we're being yeah. selfish. Yeah. And it can yeah. other and people may tell you you're being selfish. Especially, yeah, people on the <laughs> receiving end can often kind of twist it, like, yeah, like that's the intent is just to cut people out. But that's not that's not necessarily the case. Healthy boundaries allow us to maintain good relationships for yeah. the most part. So if you're feeling vulnerable when you're setting boundaries, then you're probably setting boundaries. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can't set boundaries, even healthy boundaries, without some form of vulnerability. Because essentially what you're saying is, this thing that happens, that goes too far for me. You're saying something very personal about yourself. Right. It reveals, um, yeah. Yeah. It tells other people who you are and that's super vulnerable. But again, doing that can allow you to be the best version of yourself. So I'll say one more thing about it. Great. And if you want to say more, you can. Okay. I, but I, I think that if you are setting boundaries as a way to avoid vulnerability, or if, you're, if boundaries are serving you and you're avoiding vulnerability, then a lot of the times your boundary is going to in some ways cut you off from you like being clear about what the soft spot or like what's hard for you or what's going on for you. Mm-hmm. And so the boundary should feel vulnerable. You'll know in a lot of ways that it's a really good boundary when 
you might even be second guessing or feeling a little bit insecure or not sure, like, cause you're, you're probably getting to something that really matters to you. And so it still takes courage. You still have to go forward with it. Nobody's going to protect you from that. Yeah. But if you're just, you know, if you're just being hard on everybody all the time and you don't care and you're not, you're probably avoiding vulnerability. <laughs> yeah. That's more like building a wall. Then yeah. those kinds of boundaries are just cutting people off as yeah. opposed to just setting a boundary that can still maintain some kind of connection that, that yeah. you can live with. Yeah. So. Awesome question. Yeah. These are all great questions. Mm, yes. we'll, we'll probably yes. say that every time. Great question. <laughs> wow. Great question. Yeah. Okay. Number two, how do I adjust being on the receiving end of someone's new boundaries? <laughs> Sometimes I feel it's easier to be the one setting the boundaries. Well, amen to that. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, Definitely man. not as fun to be on the receiving end of boundaries, but a little bit related to what we just talked about. When somebody shares a boundary with us, we can recognize that this they are telling them about themselves. That the boundary has more to do with who they are and what they need than it does have to do with who we are. And it's an opportunity for us to treat other people with respect that they have their own sets of things that work for them and don't. And sometimes it can get a little bit muddy when we're certain that that the meaning of boundaries can only go one way. So yeah, it's easy to take it personally too. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, if someone says, I need this. You might feel accused. You might feel criticized. You might feel ashamed. You might feel stupid for not thinking of that. But I think good boundaries, they do elevate our sensitivity to other people. They do kind of educate our conscience. They do help us just become better people. I think when we all, like Brene Brown says, clear as kind. kind. Yeah. <laughs> I just had it backward in my head. <laughs> clear as kind. I mean, when we're kind to each other by being clear about what we need, we actually become better people and have better communities. Yeah. And yeah. so when it comes to like the holidays and you feel like, oh man, everybody's got all these boundaries all the time. Well, instead of being defensive about it, maybe you can just see it as, as an invitation to understand what matters to them, mm-hmm. what, you know, because they've probably done some work to clarify who they are, what they need. Yeah. So I want to throw out a quick example here because yeah. that might be helpful. Let's say that you have a mother or a mother-in-law that just likes to comment on, on your weight, whatever, you know, Oh honey, looks like you've lost some weight, you know, and that might be just a troubling issue. You might want, not want anybody to comment on your weight. It might just be bothersome and unnerve you enough that it's, it's a hard one to let go. When somebody is setting a boundary like that. So let's say they have to set the boundary with you because you're commenting on the weight. They, what they're sharing is that issues surrounding weight are hard for them, whatever they are. And if you can just appreciate and respect that about somebody and that it doesn't necessarily mean something's wrong with you because you don't have a problem talking about weight <laughs> or you're trying to be complimentary and they don't seem to be getting it. It's not really about that. It's just about what weight Comments about weight mean to them. And it's an opportunity to just to show a deeper form of love for somebody and not get all hung up on the meaning and what it says about you or about them. One thing our oldest son is really good at is, is whenever anybody's either set a boundary or they've got some kind of a rule or he runs into something like that, 
he'll ask like what, what that means to him. He'll ask Hmm. a question like, Oh, tell me why that's important to you. Or. Yeah, that's true. He's good. He's so good at that. And he's, he just recognizes that someone is having a different experience in Uh him and he just wants, he really makes it about the other person. He wants to understand. Yeah. And then, I mean, the cool thing about boundaries like this is for the person setting the boundary, when their boundary is respected and honored, then sometimes that boundary can even move because they feel safe. Yeah. um, And they feel seen and heard, which is akin to feeling loved. And, and so then the boundary might not need to be so firm around this thing anymore. Yeah. So it is hard to be on the receiving end. Initially, we all have a natural kind of shame or look, feel criticized or defensive, or we want to just have everything flow real smoothly, mm-hmm. but it's an invitation for deeper connection, I think, and mm-hmm. compassion and yeah. flexibility. And it oftentimes it's just no more than an awareness that we're different from one another. Yeah. It's that simple. No judgment about either side. We're just different. We have different ways of perceiving and moving through the world we live in. And there's room for everybody. Yeah. A phrase that I have had to say a lot in my marriage and in my family life and in my relationships is, wow, I had no idea. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Because how are you supposed to? Yeah. So yeah. Should we move on? Yep. Okay. Why don't you read the next one? Yeah, next. Okay. So this is a little bit more of a statement and we'll, we'll kind of talk around it a little bit. Um, My sister-in-law doesn't get help from her husband or in-laws with the kids when they visit and it's draining. The husband wants to stay as long as possible because he gets taken care of like a kid and the wife doesn't. So the writer is an observer. Yeah. It sounds like the writer is an observer of her sister-in-law and the husband. So the writer is aware of what appears to be an imbalance, but it's not, it's not the sister asking the question or making the statement. So the person observing might just feel like there's something to handle, but it's not theirs to handle. Sometimes we will observe things that rub us the wrong way that are difficult for us. And it's not our call to action. We can just extend love and kindness and and let people sort out their own stuff. It's very possible that the sister-in-law is talking to the observer about it and not, not handling things with her own family. And that's her responsibility to do if she's unhappy with her husband or, or her in-laws in that situation, that's, that needs to get handled on that level. So if it's draining for the person watching, watching this all happen, what are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah. I mean, if the sister-in-law is asking you and coming to you, then all, all you can do is just, you can listen. Sure. You can just show empathy, but you can also just really empower her or encourage her to use her own voice Yeah, and remind her that she's not powerless, that she doesn't have to just keep going along with this with her own husband. And this is less about the mother-in-law and more about her own husband and herself and their their relationship and what happens when they, as a family unit, get together with extended family. But, but there's also so many things. I mean, we, and we all see this when we gather with loved ones or friends, 
there are so many things that we see that we don't agree with or that would not work for us. Right. And we just, we can get all worked up about that dynamic that we notice and feel afraid for them or Uh feel like they're, but obviously at some level it's working for them. (laughs) Yeah. At least so much so that they're, they're not, not ready to handle it yet. Yeah. And that's okay. You know, that may not have worked for you ever, or you may have let it go a long time and then you did something about it, but everybody's on their own path. And if nobody's asking you and you're just observing and you're not really in a position where, you know, you don't really have license to bring it up. Yeah. It's okay to let it go. It's okay to trust that people are strong and that they will learn the lessons in the time that they need to learn them. Yeah. Unless it's like abusive or something really, really crazy. And you need to step in and be like, Hey, I'm concerned for you. Sure. But I mean, I'm just hearing that there's just enabling going on. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. So it it's sounds ha- like obviously it. hard to watch, but. Well, yeah. And I, I was going to say, if it's hard to watch, if the dynamics are such that there's all this, Im- you know, oozing emotion that's going on kind of under the surface. And as an observer, it's hard to be a part of, then that's your little piece that you need to handle. So if you need to excuse yourself or go take care of something in the kitchen or get a walk in or whatever. So you cannot react to somebody else's situation that they're maybe handling differently than you would, then it's okay. Just, you know, do what you need to do there. while right. You're while they're figuring out what they need to do and they may keep doing that forever. Right. Or privately gossip to your husband. <laughs> it can be hard. You can see things that you're just like, Oh, that would drive me crazy. And we yeah. all do that. Cause we all have different levels of tolerance for things Yeah, and stuff that like wouldn't bother me would drive somebody else totally nuts. Yeah. And they're like, how do you put up with that? Or how do you, why do you do that? And it's like, because I'm me and you're you, I mean, yeah. it, we have to make room for all of us being different people. Yeah. So, okay. Is it my turn? Number four, how to set boundaries from another culture, different cultural norms regarding commenting on children's behaviors, parenting, even body and clothing choices. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot going on with this question. Um, I think that there's an opportunity here. I guess on its face, there's an opportunity here. I mean, you can always speak up and tell people what works or doesn't work for you. Yeah. But I think it's also important to lead with some cultural sensitivity. And to be, I think it's okay for children to learn and understand that some cultures just have different levels of comfort or tolerance with certain things. Yeah. And it can be educational. Some cultures are just more visually descriptive. They just talk about what they see, what they notice, and it doesn't necessarily come with judgment. We attended a a church that in that same building, there was also a deaf congregation. Mm-hmm. that met and you know we're not part of that community or that congregation but we would see them in the hallways and they're very direct they have to be mm-hmm. it's a very different thing and so they can you know it, it can be kind of off-putting to people who aren't used to that yeah they comment about all sorts of things about your appearance and stuff like that just because that's or their... trying to get your attention they'll do it uh-huh. in ways that are really abrupt and uh-huh and of course they don't hear <laughs> so. yeah and so if you have a child, you could make whatever meaning you wanted out of that. If one of your, this is just one example, obviously, but you could make it mean like, oh, honey, that's, you know, you just, you were bullied by this rude person, you know, or you could turn it into educating them about this culture or learning about it, yeah. trying to understand it. We've had family members that have served church missions in Asia mm-hmm. and that culture is tends to be more direct. And it was really 
shocking kind and of off-putting. disarming. Yeah, mm-hmm. for how direct they would be commenting on their bodies or or their personalities or their habits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, just a little bit crazy to have that just verbalized and thrown out in the open. And every every family is a culture, you mm-hmm. know. So you've got some families that are much more free and open with yeah, gregarious and they say everything and impulsive, and other, rude, whatever, uh-huh. you know, and other families who are very, you know, keep things on the down low. Reserved. <laughs> so I think, you know, especially if you don't live with those people and you're not having to be around them all the time and you're not having yeah. to figure out how to dance together. I don't think there's a lot of harm in just saying like, this is just how their family does it. This is how our family does it, or this is their culture. And I think it's okay for our children to learn how to make room Obviously, if it becomes like abusive or it's a bullying situation or something that really is degrading someone, yeah, then that's to me, that's common sense. You're going to have yeah. to step in. But a lot of stuff is that might just be irritating or annoying. Mm-hmm. It's a great chance for kids to be flexible and people to like learn how to well, learn some resilience, learn yeah. I mean, some empathy too, that there's a, a different perspective, another way to to see or notice things that there's not just one universal meaning about interactions and comments. Yeah. And then the last, the last thing I I thought of on this too, is that, you know, I've, I've lived in another country before we visited other countries before in terms of just that more kind of blatant cultural difference where the people from those countries have had to instruct us on some of their customs and how they Mm -hmm. do things to help us feel more comfortable. Like when we went and visited Israel and then we were going into Palestine you know, yeah. there were, th- we there were things we were ta- what was appropriate and right. not in a different culture. Exactly. And so we, you know, as guests in those cultures, we, we were curious and open and tried to learn. And so if you've got guests that are, you know, entering your world or your family culture, and there's things that you do in your home or practices or things, the way you do things, there's nothing wrong with pulling someone aside and, and just giving them a chance to understand how you do things. And you can do it with love and clarity mm-hmm. if it's really that important to you. And some things you may not care, you just let go, but some things really might. Yeah, right you might just want to say, you might not know this. But we don't but- say the F word at the dinner table. <laughs> That's just a cultural thing around here. <laughs> so, and people can take it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's funny, like, even as our kids have left the home and they come back, and yeah. the things that like they're comfortable with in terms of the things that they watch on, you know, or that just, just the things that like they're pulling into their lives mm-hmm. might be new or different to us. And so we're having to learn and ask questions and try and understand. And so that's just, you know, when you get a big group of people together, there's so many variables that yeah, it just requires a lot of flexibility, but okay. Alrighty. Why okay. don't you take the next one? Oh, yeah. It's a good one. COVID. We are vaccinated and my in-laws are not. It's so uncomfortable. Um, yes, it is. Yeah. This, and this is a big one. This is affecting lots of families, just varying degrees and levels of comfort when it comes to being, being vaccinated and not being vaccinated. And by this point, we all know where everybody stands on the matter. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> this is not new. Nobody's going to sit down this Christmas and be like horrified to find out that guy isn't on the same page. <laughs> So they're not vaccinated, but you are. Are you hosting? Yeah. So do you need to like, I mean, are you worried about health issues or is it more about the topic around COVID? Or is it around a requirement that you wear masks because they're not vaccinated? Right. You kind of have to sort through all this and come to terms with 
what you can live with and what you can't. Because if wearing a mask, if you're being asked to wear a mask to Thanksgiving dinner, and that is a total deal breaker for you, then you just need to handle it as that, that it's a deal breaker and not attend Thanksgiving with the in-laws because right. it's that important to you to not wear a mask. You know, if that's consistent with your values, you'll be able to feel good about that. And if they misunderstand, it might take some time, but you can sort through that. And if nothing else is, you know, if nothing specific is being required, but you're just all going to show up at different levels of vaccination, then as long as you're comfortable with what you've done and the precautions you need to take, if you're unvaccinated and you're worried about being safe, can you feel safe showing up and wearing a mask? And not touching people's hands. <laughs> we know? missed Thanksgiving last year because oh, we had COVID. We had COVID. <laughs> we got officially uninvited. <laughs> and so I got tested for COVID. I and I think it was Monday, and Thanksgiving was Thursday. Yeah, and my family Everybody was were like all gathering. Oh, hey, no two offense, miles, but you're not welcome. <laughs> uninvited, two two miles away. So. Yeah. I spent I spent Thanksgiving upstairs in a bedroom and my family, you know, it's just how it is. So everybody has to take charge oh, of their man. own comfort level. And we we've had family members, extended family, who in the last year have canceled huge family reunions because not everybody could get on the same page. And they just had to mm-hmm. accept and honor that it wasn't worth gathering for everyone. With half of everybody, because the other half until, didn't quite feel comfortable. Until or... things settled down. And then eventually that same family actually did eventually get together. Yeah. And they've yeah. somehow worked it out. So if you're the one hosting and you need to feel really clear and strict about certain limits and other people aren't good with that, can you tolerate that them not coming? Right. You saying your boundary is so we can't, if you're going to come, you have to wear masks and their boundary is we can't handle Thanksgiving with masks. Then it might be a year that you don't get together. And then if it's a topic thing, like whether people are going to talk about vaccines or you know have their opinions about all that stuff judge you the whole time then we'll answer that question (laughs) oh yeah yeah more yeah we've got that's actually our last question so we'll get into that about sensitive topics we'll we'll jump into that one but from a health perspective do what you have to do to protect yourself yeah and your own comfort level allow other people to do the same yeah Um, everybody has to be able to make the choices that line up with their personal values yep so And so as long as we're all doing that, we can live with whatever ends up playing out. And it might mean that things look different than we want them to. But again, since we're not all the same people, it is going to require more maturity for us as we're dealing with differentiation around these important things that affect our families. Yeah. Tr- holidays are so full of like pressure for everyone to have the exact same good time. Yeah. And, you know, to be on the same page about so many things. And when, when the traditions and the pressure and all of that is more important than the individual people, then I think it really misses the point. So I think it's about tuning into what the people need, adjusting some things, being flexible. And I mean, we've all had to do that for the past almost two years. Yeah. And it doesn't look like it's going away anytime soon. (laughs) So, so we'll just keep, Keep building our levels of resilience here. Boy, if there's been any benefit in the last year and a half, two years of this COVID stuff, it's that I think we're all getting a crash course in boundaries. Yeah. Right? We just are. Yep. Yeah, we just got it. It's bringing to the surface what our values are and 
and how we need to live with them. And it's, it's just exposing the fact that that looks different for, for so many people. Yeah. Okay. Question number six, moving right along. Another great question. What to do if you have a child with food allergies and issues, but extended family doesn't get it. Yeah. Holidays are obviously about food food and there's tons of food and, and lots of different preferences. And if it's a food allergy thing, which is a safety thing, you know, for a lot of people, then I think the simplest thing to not make a big deal about it, especially if you don't feel like they don't get it, you don't feel like there's a lot of understanding or willingness is either don't show up or more directly, just bring your own food. Yeah. And, and maybe you think that's rude, but I think it could start a really great conversation or it could be a chance to just take care of things and not really worry about what other people think, which might be a good skill for you to develop. Yeah. You know, I just think that. I did have an experience with this. One time I met a friend at the park um, while our little kids were going to play together. And I brought a container of peanuts in the shell. And so I'm just sitting there at the picnic table, just cracking open peanuts and eating them. And we were well into our time there. And and my, my friend was, she just explained that any kind of exposure to a peanut could send her son into anaphylactic shock. Oh, wow. So I had no idea. I had no idea. I've never dealt with food allergies. That just hasn't been a thing that, that our family has dealt with. So, so I didn't know. And you're sitting there spreading peanut shells. Oh everywhere. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah pe- peanut dust, dust is filling the air as we're. Yeah. So, oh, so I gosh. felt pretty terrible for, for not knowing. And, and I, it, it did take me some time to take it in and understand the severity because I had known about peanut allergy, you know, and yeah. she had mentioned it before and I wasn't being careless. I just didn't really understand that, that any kind of whiff of peanut could affect him so severely. And so, so it might take a couple of times for family members to get it and they might not be being difficult, or maybe they, they really do have a hard time pivoting and making room for somebody. And so you've just got to make the choices you feel good about. So if it's as simple as bringing food that's safe so you don't have to worry about it, then that kid gets to have a hot dog and tater tots for Thanksgiving dinner. So you don't have to worry about cross contamination or any of those things. And that's okay. Yeah. It's, it might be awkward, but yeah. Or maybe you offer at the minimum to make the Turkey so you can be sure. So your child can have Turkey for Thanksgiving dinner and you can be certain that at least that part is safe for them. And, you know, with this particular child, the food allergies might not go away anytime soon. So this is also an opportunity for you to model for them and teach them how to advocate for themselves yeah, and do it in a way that's really kind and appropriate. And they can see you not only, you know, going out of your way to prepare their own food, which they'll have to learn how to do, but also speaking to other adults about it and letting them hear that and letting them understand that this is something that oftentimes people, like you said, Jody, need to be educated on. Yeah. And you don't have to be rude about it or just indignant or, you know, offended that nobody's getting it or nobody cares. You don't have to take it personally. Mm-hmm. You know, I think more so than ever, we're more food aware, allergy yeah, aware so. than I've ever seen, but some people still just, that's not their world. So, well, and I would say also that if your own personal resources are to the point where you're just not up for keeping 
a three or four year old away from the dessert table because they have an allergy to tree nuts and there's all sorts of stuff there, then your family needs to evaluate what's the best way to handle that. Because if you're not up for that, then you probably shouldn't put yourselves or your family through that. And you can express that to your extended family. It's just too hard to come and spend three hours at grandma's house and have to watch like a hawk so you don't end up in the ho- with your child in the hospital. And if they're bothered by, by you not coming, well, yeah. there's a very direct path to getting you there. Right. Yeah. So that could no be pecans on that sweet potato casserole. So there, there could be sometimes you just not showing up or you saying like, it's that serious. Yeah. We won't be there. Yeah. We can't come because it's just the, the, the allergy problem is too intense. It doesn't have to be too stressful. Right. It doesn't have to be a big threat or drama. It can just be like, we're so sorry. We'd love to come, but it's, it's just not safe. Right. And they'll, they can be like, Oh Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, either we don't care about your kid or you guys, <laughs> which probably isn't going to happen. Yeah. Or wow, we didn't realize it was that serious. I mean, mm-hmm. I think most people just are uneducated. Yeah. Okay, should we move on? Let's. Number 7. What? Well, this is a good one too. What if you and your spouse disagree or have different needs when it comes to boundaries? Happens so all that's going to happen. Yeah. Happens to us all the time. All the time. How could it be any other way? Right. I mean, that's just yeah. when you're not the same person, <laughs> you are going to have different needs. Yep. So it is definitely a matter of each of you taking time to think through and get clear on what your needs are and how that affects yourself and your spouse and somewhat of a, a balancing act in terms of weighing what they need and what their boundaries need to be and what you need and what your boundaries need to be. Usually there are enough options that it's figure outable, that there's an area where you can land together that can, you know, at a minimum, it might be meh, you know, compromise for both of you, but it's totally manageable. Usually you can find something at least like that. But you had a story. Yeah, sometimes, and sometimes it's just like, it's just so deep and so important for each person to hold that yeah. line yeah. that they really can't easily find an agreement and the deadlines coming in the case of the holidays, a family gathering or something like that is coming up. So yeah, I worked, I worked with a family some time ago and they ended up, there were hurt feelings and some really big struggles with certain family members. And so the husband and wife ended up just not sharing Christmas together one year. I think she went up to be with family, the family he couldn't be around. And he stayed home, I think by himself. Mm-hmm. It was that important for him to not be there. He just couldn't do it. And it was that important for her to be with to go that family him. that year. Mm-hmm. And so they just did. And I think that went on one year. And then the next year they tried to spend less time and they kept so working they weren't with satisfied it. with that arrangement. They yeah. tried it out, tried it, didn't work, didn't love it. So they tried something a little different the next year, but they kept talking. And I think, I think over, you know, two or three passes with different holidays, different events, different family gatherings, they've sort of figured out a way that works. But the biggest thing, it really gets into John Gottman's research around dialoguing about gridlock or perpetual issues. And that's probably a different webinar for a different day. But the short version is that There are some things that are so deep inside of us that if we gave up on them, we'd almost feel like we're giving up on ourselves. Mm -hmm. 
And those things do come up around family. They come up around deep, deep loaded issues that get into kind of the DNA of who we are and how we're built and where we come from and what matters to us and our values. And so when those boundaries collide, you can keep trying to negotiate and get creative and that's certainly fine. But to really move through these, you have to go deeper and understand the stories, the backgrounds, the feelings underneath all this and why they can't budge on it. And like I said, there's more to say on this, but recognize that if you don't feel like you're getting anywhere, you probably need to tap deeper into those unacknowledged, unexpressed needs, stories, beliefs underneath the surface. Yeah. So there's some great resources for that in John Gottman's book, Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work is where I would start. But the fact that you're both bumping into stuff like that is 100% normal marriage. Mm-hmm. It means that you're both living, breathing people with histories and backgrounds and feelings and opinions and just stay with it. Like, don't give up, keep talking, keep working through it mm-hmm. and be gentle with each other and do not elevate, you know, your preference over your partners as yours is the right way. And everybody knows that this is how it's supposed <laughs> to be. Yeah. And you may feel like I just need to do this for me. I'm not saying sure. it's right for everyone, but I need this. That's okay. And they may be able to flex on that and be like, I can do that. But if they can't, then you've run into one of those things I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else you want to say on that? No, no. I think you've done a great job with that. Okay. Where are we here? Number eight. How do I get help from adult children who come to stay with me instead of mom, instead of me, the mom turning into a slave without coming across like a beast? It's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I think a surprising amount of women and hostesses still feel this degree of dissatisfaction with what's required of them, especially around holidays like Thanksgiving and Christmas and the keeping of the the traditions alive, the feeding of all the people. Keeping Um, the the gathering area clean and beautiful and welcoming. Yeah. It's a lot. And if this person, this mom is concerned about adult children then clearly there's already been a pattern of some set expectations over the course of the majority of their lives that mom will handle things. So true. So this is a time to do some speaking up. If you want it to go differently, they're not just going to get the picture or suddenly show up and do things differently, which clearly you already know when you're asking this question. So we thought about a couple, a couple different options. But most of them have to do with preempting. So before kids come home and stay at the house, it's a great opportunity to stay, to say, love Thanksgiving, guys. Love being with you. I can't keep doing what I've been doing. So this year, can I assign you, child number one, to make the pies when you get here? Can I assign you, child number two, to keep the living room tidy every day? Can you pitch in so that we can keep the traditions going? Or this year, all the women are going to do the cooking and the preparing and all the men are going to do the cleanup and the dishes. You know, you can always, there are lots of great ideas that you can introduce and you can preempt. I thought another, I mean, there's also the problem that you might face, which is bringing it up ahead of time and saying, this is important to me to get your participation here in some more of these things. And then having kids show up and do nothing, in which case, I thought you had a great comment about that. 
If the kids want to stay in your home, they're welcome to if they participate in these ways. And if they don't feel like that's going to work for them, that's okay. They can stay in a hotel and then they can come to your home when there the are some meal. gatherings times. Yeah. Yeah. You, I think you can just say it's too much for me to pick up after everybody and yeah. be the maid. So um, we're not going to open up our home for visitors, for guests right, or for lodging. Yeah. But, yeah. but uh, we'd love to gather everyone because then there's a start and a stop to it. Yep. There's parameters. There's cleanup. You'll probably have a lot of people that can help. And then you move on. And so there, you know, the dream of course, is to have everybody together and helping out and pitching in. But if you have looking for things to do ways to help out, but if you have dynamics where people are not aware, they're not considerate, then, you know, you, you can create a different reality. You don't have to just be resentful that they're not fulfilling your dream. Yeah. I would even say, pull in your spouse for support. Yeah. You know, if you get, if you get dad on board, and he's saying to the kids, hey, we want to have pie. Come help us get all this cleaned up so that we can we can get the dessert ready. I think just because adult kids, well, just because, you know, they're your kids and they're adults, it doesn't mean you can't, it's not like you're parenting them. Yeah. It's that you're just speaking up about something that maybe isn't obvious to them, or maybe that they're just in, you know, that's my mom mode. She'll just take care of it. Yeah. But I, I think that just... You don't have to be a beast about it, but if you feel like being direct is being a beast, then there's some work for you there because they might respond like, oh my gosh, where'd mom come from? All of a sudden she's like got requests of it. You know, they might just feel really offended by it, but this could be a a great opportunity to change the dynamic. Now we're peers. Yeah. Now we're all adults and we're all going to act like adults. Adulthood is a great time for children to begin to see that their behavior has an effect on their parents. It's a great time for them to recognize, mm-hmm. oh, like when I go and stay at home, it adds work for mom to do and it becomes too much for her. I think we do put up a lot, put up with a lot of that when our kids are younger, their dependence. We just sort of, oh, they're busy with school or they have a lot of things. We make excuses. We just, oh, I did it just today. <laughs> Everybody was gone and I was just trying to get, make some headway on getting the home pulled together in the limited time that I had. And one of my children had left a bunch of stuff strewn around. And as I'm cleaning it up, just needing to get it done, I was feeling a lot of frustration and knowing that I'm perpetuating the problem because I am cleaning it up and frustrated instead of either waiting till they get home and then having them take care of it and clean it up or addressing it. So I get it. The struggle is real. That's right. And my child could easily just continue to believe that I'm just going to take care of it for them because when they come home, look, it's all ready. And I think I love that, by the way. Well, I don't love it. I mean, I I need to handle it better. I love it as an example. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I knew what you were saying. (laughs) None of us love it. No. Oh my gosh. No, but it is, it is a teaching opportunity. And I, and I did at least, (laughs) I guess in my own defense, I did at least manage to gather up all the things that had been left out and leave them in a pile on the floor, on the floor in the kitchen, because I was working my way out of another room. And then as I had started on a different project, that child had time to come home, see the pile and take care of it without being asked. So it was literally (laughs) in the pathway and it was all their stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, another thing to consider with this is, is when you've got you know, if, if you're so committed to the traditions and you're going to be the big martyr, 
to make sure they all get done because nobody else will do it. And it's worth, it's that worth it to you. Then you can't complain. Right. You can't just, like, if, if you're picking all that up, if then you're just like, take care of it. we have to do this no matter the cost. And I guess I'll be the one doing it. And you're just slaving away because the traditions matter so much, but you know what? Clearly nobody else really cares about the traditions probably like you do. Yeah. And so then it can become a, an adult discussion. Hey guys, do these, do, you know, does having homemade pies with homemade crust and homemade whipped cream and homemade everything, does that really matter to any of you? And they may be like, no, I don't care. We yeah. just like pumpkin pie. We don't care if it's from Costco. Right. You can sort of revisit some of these things that might be, exp- might be taking so much emotional yeah. and physical labor. Mm-hmm. Or if you make assignments and say, I want all the whatever these boys or this, these girls, whoever make this food or whatever, and they don't do it. Could you live without it showing up and having everybody be bummed and disappointed? Or are you going to be slaving away the night before because they forgot or it didn't get done? So that's where the boundaries can come in, which is like, what are you willing to let go? What are you willing to have discussions about to really rearrange things? And especially as people get older, Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many families like hold on with a death grip to certain traditions that everybody's that everybody over. can take or leave. Yeah. Yeah. They were awesome when the kids were little. Maybe they're not that big a deal anymore. We've had to, you know, jettison several traditions that we, you know, we love and the kids are just kind of, eh. and it's fine. Make new ones or mm-hmm. ask everybody, you know, for their, their input and or contribution. So it's, it's yeah. a moving dynamic thing. And if it's so meaningful to you that you want to be the one to do it all and carry it all, then you can take that role and be the big hero, even if nobody respects or appreciates what you've done. Right. But that might be great for you. And you may love it so much, you'll just keep doing it. But if you're resentful- yeah, I'm sensing that in if the you're, question, yeah. it's kind of time to move on. If you're resentful, it's probably not meaning that much to you even. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, All right. The row number nine. Okay. Number nine. This is a great one too. Do I need to feel guilty- only giving my ch- my grandchildren something for Christmas and not my step grandchildren. Mm. The mom and me cannot seem to ignore the guilt that creeps up on certain occasions. And this is in a this is there's a little bit more information here. There's it's a rough family dynamic. So okay, there yeah. there have been some. We have a little bit more information. We won't get into the details, but yeah, there's definitely been some challenges there with the stepkids versus the, 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 the grand, the stepkids and their mom versus, versus like the grandkids. So the, so this grandmother is struggling with whether it needs to be fair or not. Yeah. Jody, you had yeah. some thoughts on this. Uh, yeah. So my thoughts on this are that in the season of giving, we need to be able to give authentically. We need to be able to get, if giving is consistent with our values then we need to find ways to give that we can feel good about. And so that can look a variety of ways. It doesn't have to be fair. It doesn't have to look the same, especially where where there have been some real issues in family dynamics. So if you can freely give to your grandchildren, of course, then freely give to them. And it sounds like that's not the issue. But if there's this other relationship where, where there are issues, you can take some time to clarify if giving in that situation is still consistent with your values, because it sounds like the guilt is more a symptom of just feeling, feeling torn in that situation between maybe needing to have a boundary and your, the fact that it's important to you to be generous and giving 
And so there might be some other ways to give that you can feel good about, but you also might find that having a boundary around important issues is, and living by that boundary and not giving a gift is consistent with your values. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. There are not rules about how our generosity shows up, but giving out of obligation, that doesn't serve anybody. And there's not, there's not really a right way that that's supposed to look. No. And if there's a bunch of entitlement or resentment from the receivers of the gift, yeah, that's probably a bigger problem that you can't do anything about, Mm -hmm. you know, because the thing is, if it's truly a gift, then the receiver shouldn't really be expecting it. (laughs) Well, I would say if it's truly a gift, then as the giver, you just get to feel joy in the giving of the gift. Exactly. And then whether it's received or not, it won't matter because you're living according to your core values. You can relinquish it. Yeah. Give the gift, relinquish it, not chase it. And feel good about giving it to somebody who hasn't quote unquote earned it. You can feel good about being generous to somebody who, you know, otherwise might, might treat it like garbage. And if they are so like hung up on comparing and checking to see if they got more or less than yeah, someone else, can happen. That you can't do anything about that because when is too much or when is enough enough? Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, there, there's kids out there. There's people who receive gifts that are just like a handwritten card and it's like the best thing ever. And others mm-hmm. get, a, you know, something really expensive and they just feel so ripped off because so-and-so or another person got something different. You know, it's just, you can't yep. chase all that. No. <laughs> just give the gift that matches your yeah. heart mm-hmm. and let it go. Yeah. Send it off to the wild. Yeah. Yeah. Because if it's important to you to give gifts and you want to be able to do it all the way, regardless, then then do that. Yeah. Live according to what your core values are and you won't regret because then you can let it go and just have it be a gift that's given and it will either be received or it won't. And gosh, isn't that like, even just among your own children, sometimes this can stress people out so badly. Oh, the fairness. About the fairness and making sure there's the exact number of gifts and the dollar value and all that other stuff. And I mean, I think if there's a great lesson out there for us as humans to learn is that life isn't fair and you may get more sometimes or less another time. And yeah, as long as people feel your love and know that you care and you're building relationships, you don't need to hinge everything on the gift. Yeah. So yeah, hmm, there's a lot there. Yeah, there is a lot there. So, I'm feeling the weight of that. Even just thinking about yeah, all the hustling that I have done around so many Christmas times, trying <laughs> to keep it, trying to keep it looking and feeling fair for everybody. So, because we do want it to be a, a a good experience, and yet, yet we do hope our kids and other people will just learn <laughs> to learn the lessons they need to learn around receiving right? gratefully. Yeah. Okay. Last question that was submitted, and then of course, if you have questions, you're welcome to submit them in the question answer. Yeah. Number ten. How do I deter relatives and guests from bringing up sensitive topics, and how do I respond when they do? We had referenced this question in our COVID question earlier, yeah. but obviously there's all kinds of sensitive things, politics, religion, mm-hmm. just people's lifestyle choices. Right. There's all kinds of sensitive things that could potentially, potentially trigger discomfort. So a few thoughts on this. Number one is, uh, well, let me, let me tell a, a quick story. We have a, a nephew 
who got married to a woman who it was her second marriage and the other families, there was some feuding about her getting remarried because her first husband, or I think it was her boyfriend or whatever had passed away. away. And Mm -hmm. so the family and they had a kid together and there was just a lot of energy and Mm -hmm. struggle between the two, the families, the new family, the old family. And so at their wedding, she was kind of, you know, feeling like this pressure of how to bring all these people together and make it a good experience for her and her new husband. Yeah. So and she preempted it. She preempted in this it. Awesome way. It was awesome. And so when you walked into the wedding, we were walking into the wedding in the, in the church there and she had a giant sign that she yeah, had made. Board. And it basically just says, it said like, don't pick a side, sit by someone you don't know. Mm-hmm. And recognize that we're here. We're all family. We're here to have a great time and celebrate, you know, this couple and let's, you know, basically don't make it about you and your discomfort, like blend, connect, meet people. Let's all heal and bring unity. And it was amazing. And it was the funnest wedding we've ever been to. It was. And it was, a. it was really connecting and gathering and we met all she, kinds of great people. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was awesome. We went in and we there, there were families intermingled and right. it was just amazing. There sides. It was just a, it was a beautiful experience. So she didn't leave it to chance. No. And I, I loved her intentionality about it. And I think there's a lesson in there. So if you're worried about that and you might have a family that's really conflict avoidant and would never bring things up. And so you probably don't have to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> but if you have family members or a family culture or people you know will be there who are more evocative and are willing to bring things up or just, or have strong opinions or whatever, you can certainly approach them individually, or you can just generally send out a very clear message beforehand that, you know, you recognize there's a lot of loaded things going on in the culture and the environment and the air right now. Yeah. And that the goal of this time is to gather and to focus on gratitude and connection and making great memories and enjoy each other then you can preempt it that way. Yeah. You can send out a text to the group Yeah, and just say, Hey, these topics are going to be off limits. We're going to buzz you at Thanksgiving. And you can even use humor. <laughs> you know, you can yeah. even just say, Oh, someone's talking about COVID. We're going to shut this down. You know, you can be funny about it. Yeah. You can just sort of like make it light and just, but also clear that we're going to just steer away. Someone's just offsides. Now we're going to, you can find, you know, simple games that you can put at play settings and yeah. have people discover new things about the person they're sitting next to, or you can Google good questions to ask somebody at a social gathering. There are all sorts of ways that you can encourage good, healthy, connective conversation that doesn't have to be about the hot topics. Right. You can set everyone up for success and be really proactive about it. Yeah. And obviously the best really you can do. Yeah. And then if things come up and it gets totally out of hand, and people get in fist fights and roll around <laughs> on the floor. True story happened at one of Jody's family gatherings. A couple uncles. A couple uncles. Got into a fist fight. It was a wrestle. A wrestle. <laughs> a couple grown brothers wrestling each other to the ground to see who still had it. Yeah. And it wasn't in fun. <laughs> it was. <laughs> oh, man. So I guess if it gets that bad, then it's just going to be a great story. Right? right? Yeah. And we're telling it here 30 years later. <laughs> I mean, just laughing about it's it. family legend. So, yeah, but yeah. And recognize that everybody's a little sensitive right now. And we're all, you know, just probably tired of certain topics and I think everybody gets it. So I think if you just speak up about it and then set everybody, I love the idea of, you know, they have like 
we have a couple of these we bought on Amazon. They're just questions about people. Oh, sure. Different topics. And you can just give people things to do or play games or. Yeah. Or, you know, keep, or you keep can, activities going. So there's not a lot of downtime. Sure. Sorry. You could give grandpa three strikes and you're out rule. <laughs> <laughs> and every time he brings up that topic, you can be like, okay, that's number two. You got one more. Or buy a giant gong. Use it wisely. Like the gong oh. show. Yeah. So you can see that there's all there kinds of fun things you can do it with it. Don't, yeah. you don't have to make it all heavy. And every time he brings it up, you can, you can half his slice of pie. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, there's lots um, of, lots of options. You're not trapped. Yeah, and also yeah. it can just be back to that culture question. You can also just recognize it like, Oh, you know, uncle so-and-so Yeah, the meaning making, then just make meaning out of it and just say, you know, we love him. He's got a lot of strong opinions or he's been deeply affected by this and this is really hard for him. So, you know, we can just all be compassionate and recognize, you know, so you can handle it lots of different ways. Mm -hmm. Okay. Great question. We've got a question that just popped up. Okay, cool. So we've not even seen this one. So um, should we just read it out loud? Sure. Let's check it out. Okay. I'm in a situation where I've asked my husband to move out due to continued addiction, behavior, and emotional abuse of me. I'm sorry, by the way, mm-hmm. that's hard, mm-hmm. especially this time of year. Mm-hmm. I need the space to heal. He is refusing Good. to leave. Mm. My newly returned missionary is coming home from college for Thanksgiving and Christmas. There are also three other children at home and one still out on a mission. Okay. How do I honor myself and my own need for safety and still have a peaceful holiday season? Well, that's a really good question. Yeah. Hard. So situation. he's refusing to leave. And you've got Mm. kids coming home and some that are home. Well, I think you have to ask yourself, what, what do you need to feel peace? Do you, you know, if he won't, she needs, she needs to not be with him. She needs to not have him around. Right. So there's a lot of, I've seen this case a lot, seen this happen a lot where you treat it almost like a separation situation where you end up just having two separate Thanksgivings. Like separated people do or divorced people yeah. do. Yeah. And you might say to your kids, your adult kids, like, you know what? I'm going to have dinner over at this place and you're welcome to come. Or we're all going to meet at Golden Corral or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, just something that might be simple and just say, like, I want to be able to yeah. gather with all of you. Thanksgiving with mom will with, look like this. With mom. I just want to be with all of you. You guys are all aware there's some things going on. And if you guys want to do something with dad, that's fine. That's up to you. But I, yeah. I want to have, this is how it needs to look for me this year. I can't, you know, tell you where to go. I I'm sorry. You have to split your time. You may decide to not come this year. So if you need that peace and that safety, you have to recognize that other people may want something different. Yeah. So you have to, you have to make sure that you just get that. Oh, follow up. The children are unaware that anything is wrong. Well, well, this might be the time to let them know that some things are wrong. Yeah. Uh, unless you don't have to get detailed or specific. No, but unless what? Yeah, if there's continued emotional abuse and you need the space to heal, then you'll need to let them know that you won't be spending Thanksgiving with dad. And sometimes if he won't leave and you need to be the one to leave, then like Jeff said, you'll just you'll answer it or you'll handle it otherwise. And sometimes sometimes people use like holidays are sort of a way to force us to have to face reality. Mm. You know, as painful as it is, sometimes we can kind of carry along sort of January through November. Right. 
Right. And then all of a sudden there's all this pressure to gather and to be happy and have things look a certain way. And then all of a sudden it's like the incongruence. So too much. You can certainly muscle through it like millions of people do and then figure things out in the next eight months Mm -hmm. or or 10 months. Or you can say, no, I need to use this as a time to say, I, I really can't endure being around this or faking anymore. And so that to have a mature, high level conversation with your kids, and you might even speak with a therapist or somebody that can help walk you through this, find the words and be able just to say something, you know, I'm just sort of shooting from the hip here, but something like, you know, you may have sensed that things are off with dad and me, or they have been for some time. And I just need to do something different this year. And so I'd I'd like to just gather everyone, my kids to have this particular tradition or this thing. And if you guys want to do something with dad or whatever, I'll leave that up to you guys. But I, and if you would love to come with me, that'd be great. And if you don't want to come or don't want to be there, there's no pressure, no guilt. Like this is just what I need. Mm -hmm. And then you just surrender it. And if you spend Thanksgiving alone or Christmas alone, would that be peaceful for you? You can't force or require kids to, you know, follow along. They may may still be like, well, no, like we're going to take care of dad or we want to like be all together and we're not going to, you know, you may run into some resistance. Yeah. So that's a very difficult sort of crossroads that you have to confront whether or not you want to reveal this or carry on. So my heart goes out to you, not an easy situation, but it's something that you're not powerless with. You have some choices. You've obviously kept things under wrap to a certain degree, but yeah, the holidays can be a time to really break open things that maybe you've been able to avoid (laughs) or just at least conceal. Great question. Mm-hmm. Thank you for, yeah. for asking that. And, and uh, hopefully yeah, that's helpful to you. to you with that difficult circumstance. Okay. We have another one that just came through. This is fun. I know. People it, guys. sending in questions. Okay. I'm new at boundaries and speaking up. I feel like I often don't see a need coming so I can be prepared. Yeah. And it takes me a while to process what went wrong and what I need. Is there anything I can do to expedite my own recognition and processing period? Oh, that's a great question. So thoughtful. Very thoughtful. Yeah. Expedite. <sighs> no. <laughs> so it sounds like there's kind of a delay, like when, yeah. when something like that comes especially, up. Especially, especially when you're new to speaking up, there is a time requirement of having the experience, sorting out how it went, what you feel good about, what you don't. Yeah. I have not had personal experience with expediting that other than. What expedites it is having the experience, sorting it out, taking the time you need, speaking up about it. And then next time when something similar comes up, you kind of have a jump on it. You have an idea of what you need and how to move forward in that area. So the speaking up of about it helps, but a lot of it is going to just be trial and error. Yeah. And so, and it takes time. Yeah. So be gentle with yourself about the time that it takes and continue doing the work of paying attention to when you don't feel good about it later and take the time you need, speak up about it when you need to, continue learning. And over time, that gap gets more narrow and more narrow and more narrow. But I don't know overall that there's a a shortcut. So maybe just adjust expectations in the meantime. You look like you have a thought. To share oh, I was, I've always got something always. to say. It's true. <laughs> Story Let's hear of my it. life. Another thing is if, if the person on the other side of that need 
or that, or what they're asking for, or a need to set a boundary or something comes up that catches you off guard. There's nothing that says that you have to respond in a certain time frame. Yeah. So if they have this expectation that, well, you waited too long or, you know, whatever, like that's arbitrary. Like that's, you get to take as long as you need. Mm -hmm. So if you need to sleep on it and the next day you wake up and you're all, wait a minute. I mean, I can't think of how many times I've come back to something or Jody's come back to something days, weeks later. I do it a lot. Yeah. And when you're just kind of mulling over it, thinking through it, and we'd all love to be able to think on our feet and, you know, be super clear in the moment. But I don't actually know that many people that are like that. Yeah. In fact, most of us, you know, will either revise or think through or have more understanding later and then feel like it's somehow expired or that it's passed. Right. It's too late. It's not it's too big of a deal to bring it up again. Never too late. No. So give yourself permission. Mm-hmm. There's nothing efficient about this process. No. But it all it improves understanding, which improves connection. Yeah. So it's all headed in that direction. It just doesn't tend to be a speedy process. And especially when you're trying to change maybe deep-seated patterns Mm -hmm. or personality differences, or you're trying to really work with some really challenging things. This is something in our marriage all the time that we, you know, we both have patterns and things that are either blind spots or just tendencies that aren't just going to go away with one conversation. So just Mm -hmm. stay with it, keep working with it. And hopefully there can be some traction and some movement and at least caring with each other. So that's a great question. Mm-hmm. Anything else on that one, Jode? No, just to, to reinforce that as you're paying attention, you will notice cues earlier on. You'll feel your physiology. You'll, you'll get a heads up about where you're at on things and that will continue to inform you. So just stay with it. And before you know it, you'll look around and be like, wow, hey, <laughs> I understood all those pieces without needing a really long time to sort through it. So, okay. We've got another one that came through. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So this one says, how do I deal with in-laws who continually disrespect the boundaries slash schedule we have set up around time spent, a time spent with them during the holidays, causing Mm. strain and stress and putting pressure on my husband and therefore me. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That happens. Yep. Yeah, a lot of people just don't don't think you mean it when you say it. This is a speak up situation. Yeah, and and follow through and follow through. Mm-hmm. Can I tell the story about your dad and visits it? Is that okay? Sure. He's probably not watching. Nah, <laughs> this isn't his thing. <laughs> and it's okay. We we love her dad, and yeah, and, and it's it's turned out really well. So, and I think I think he'd be okay with this. Years and years ago, we would drive to visit Jody's family. And after about three days, we started to notice that her dad started to kind of get fussy about having house just, guests too, yeah, just too long. Frustrated, we were just still in his space, and so just, he was getting short. And we kind of noticed about a three-day limit, and so we would mm-hmm. sometimes stay for like a week because yeah, it was far it was away, far enough away. It was it the was holidays easier on the kids to just travel for one really long day and then stay several days? And so, in terms but, of a boundary, like we felt like all of a sudden we were getting like a lot of nonverbal signals that we weren't welcome. Our kids were getting shorter, tense responses from him. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it felt like it was, yeah, we it, were a hassle. It was, yeah, that, that message was coming through felt to me like it was coming through loud and clear. So, so Jody had the courage to speak up to him and just said to him, dad, we're only going to stay three days whenever we come visit. Mm-hmm. And so um, this was at the end of the visit. 
And so we ended up leaving and whatever. But the next time we were there, we scheduled to be there three days. Yeah. We just said that just seems to be what works best. So, so we're just going to stick with it. It was non negotiable. We didn't know, ask like him fish, what he. They say company lasts about as long as fresh fish, three days. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that. Yeah. And so what was interesting, though, is that he wanted to understand why. And so we told him the pattern. He had no idea. Yeah, he wasn't recognized. Totally oblivious just... to it. Just had no idea. Why, why would he? It was just, you know, it was a blind spot. But what was cool was like after the, so on this particular visit, after three on days, the third day, he pulled me aside, Yeah, <laughs> took the safe route, <laughs> pulled me aside yeah. and just said, Hey, Jeff, I totally respect what, you know, you guys are, what's best for your family. But I've, I really tried to be yeah. more conscientious. How, how are we doing? How, like, how am I doing? Could you stay an extra day? Could you stay an extra day? <laughs> and so I said, that's Which a great cool. question. Let me talk to Jody. And, and I pulled Jody aside and we felt really good about staying an extra day. And yeah. I think we stayed one or two more days. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember it was during Christmas break and we had time, yeah. but it was really cool because we just decided what we needed and we just did it. Yeah. And then it actually prompted a conversation about what it meant to us. And it changed it before, you know, and we didn't have to make a big production out of it. Yeah. So I, I yeah. share that story. Go ahead. No, you, you can wrap it up. I just haven't. Okay. So I share that story to say like a couple things happened here. We couldn't expect my in-law, her dad to understand or care about our schedule or even respect it without us just doing what we had to do, what was best for our family. Yeah. We just took care of it. It wasn't like begging, pleading, mm -hmm. convincing, complaining. Yeah. We just, we just did we it. We just determined that our stress levels could handle three good days yeah. and then we just needed to be done. And that would maintain relationships. So in your, in your situation, if they're disregarding the boundaries or the schedule and you need to stick to the schedule, like you need to leave or you need them to leave or whatever, you can just enforce it. You can just do it without having to have a big discussion about it. I mean, definitely more complicated if the in-laws are not respecting schedule in terms of, you know, we're going to do whether it looks like we're going to do Thanksgiving dinner from 12 to four. And if they just won't go home. <laughs> then you've got a problem. Or if they're coming and staying at your house and they won't leave, then that, I mean, that's a whole new level of... Well, then you change it for the next time. For sure. Right? For you can sure. Just, you or can you can do something like just to help communicate the message that you really mean it. Yeah. Then if Thanksgiving is going to be from 12 to four, then you find a movie that your family's going to go to that you need to be at at five o'clock. And if they haven't left, okay. They can let themselves out. You're going to pile the kids and the husband in the car and you're going to go to the movies. Now, of course, if they're know, still there when you get home, <laughs> I guess that could happen. It's probably time to stop inviting them over for Thanksgiving yeah. or to have, yeah, you that's, know, yeah, it's too I far. just think if somebody's going to push it that far, there's bigger problems mm -hmm. and you may need to rearrange things for the following year. Uh -huh. In the case with like Jody's dad, it was like, we made one move. We mean a lot to him and he means a lot to us, but uh -huh. we were trying to set everybody up for success. It actually made a difference. Yeah. If it hadn't. It wasn't an ultimatum. We were prepared to only stay three days for the rest of our lives. Right. And that if it hadn't, okay. right, we would have just done what we had to do. So find kind of the line of what you're willing to do and follow through on and then just do that. Yeah. And something that potentially you, both you and your husband can feel good about. Yeah. So that both of you can support each other and aren't having to feel pressure. And if they're going, you know, behind trying to get in through the back door through him, then it's going to take both of you feeling solid and being committed to, you know, 
whatever it needs to look like. If there, it, it's figure outable. And if it, if it means that you guys just decide instead that instead of hosting Thanksgiving and having the in-laws, you will all go meet at Golden Corral and have a crazy Thanksgiving dinner at Golden Corral. And then you can all go to your own homes after that. And just, just an example to show that there are a variety of ways that you can work it in a way that both of you can feel good about. And you have to just keep doing it that way and keep doing it that way. And your husband might have to just keep not having extra conversations with mom or dad about it, that this is just what your family has decided to do. And we love you. And this is how we want to spend time with you and show our love. And then it's just time to do something different. And that's okay. They're different people than you guys are. Different family culture, different priorities. It's okay. And those those and people can adjust. People can can over time can just kind of learn this is how it's going to have to be. And I guess in some ways, I did learn some of this boundary stuff from from my own parents who, when they first started having kids, lived with my mom's parents for a while and my dad's parents for a while, who happened to live in San Diego, California at the time. Oh, back in the seventies when when your parents were yeah when I was a child yeah. And my parents had to sit down with both sets of their parents together collectively and say, so you guys, this is our family. We need to be able to do our family in a way we feel good about without your input. One of those sets of parents was like, okay. And then they just kind of went hands off. The other set of parents could do it and really struggled still trying to just put pressure on and manage. influence and manage yeah. and and it caused a strain but they they just kept trying to reinforce we are our own little family system and we love you and we want to make room for you but this is how it has to be yeah and you can do that with love even if people are unhappy for a while cuz they'll see over time that you can still love them and still engage even with the boundaries so golden corral has come up three times <laughs> This is We've not, actually never been to Golden Corral for things. And this is not sponsored by Golden Corral, <laughs> this webinar. No. Though it should be but now. For any of you, if the thought of that just feels like a huge relief, maybe this is the year. Maybe there's something in the air. It's time to go to Golden Corral, get some really bad turkey. <laughs> I've actually had people tell me that going out for Thanksgiving has been yeah. a huge relief. So that's yeah. not something we've tried before, but uh-uh. who knows? Maybe. Someday. Okay. Looks like the questions have stopped coming in. Yeah. Unless somebody's typing a book question that we don't see (laughs) coming in. But this has been fantastic. Thank you all for jumping on and and Mm -hmm. participating in the great questions that came through. We are, um, we really hope you get to have a peaceful holiday. Yeah. And feel connected and feel clear and that recognize just give yourself a lot of permission to learn. Yeah. And be gentle with yourself and try again next holiday. Keep yeah, going. Trust the process. Don't give up. That's right. You'll get another chance next year and, and the next year. And what does uh, Ed Tronic say? We'll just end with this. We thrive in the messiness of human connection. Without it, we wither. Yeah. So recognize that all the messiness is part of what actually helps us thrive mm-hmm. as individuals, as humans. And we're willing to put up with a lot of crazy stuff because we just need connection. And so it's worth it. Keep investing, keep trying, but uh, thank you for being here and investing in your own families and your relationships. Yeah. So good to be with you. And you're welcome. Mm -hmm. Some thank yous are coming in. So you're welcome. 
Okay. All right. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, everyone. Well, I'm sure we'll be back soon to talk about more stuff down <laughs> yeah. the road. Okay. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Once again, I want to thank my wife, Jody for joining me on the podcast. If you haven't checked out her podcast, it's called Speak Up Sister. And again, she co-hosts it with her sister, Jamie, and they cover all kinds of great topics around speaking up in your most important relationships, but also in church settings, community settings, work settings. And they've just got some fantastic resources and conversations going on over there. They even interview different women who tell their speak up stories and really go through some real life experiences around that. I want to thank all of you for joining me every single week. I sure love connecting with you and always want to be a resource for you. You can find more information and support on so many different things on my website, fromcrisis2connection.com. So go check that out. And then I'm really active on social media, Instagram and Facebook. Links to all of these are in the show notes. And if you want to get a free guide on how to end marriage arguments, there is a link for that in my show notes as well. And you can get immediate support with that. As always, thanks for being here. And I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. Thank you.